Blog Talk Radio. Go now to DryerBuzz.com and follow at DryerBuzz on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's all about the buzz. So for any of us in this room today, let's start out by admitting we're lucky. We don't live in the world our mothers lived in, our grandmothers lived in, where career choices for women were so limited. And if you're in this room today, most of us grew up in a world where we have basic civil rights. And amazingly, we still live in a world where some women don't have them. But all that aside, we still have a problem, and it's a real problem. And the problem is this. Women are not making it to the top of any profession anywhere in the world. And we're here to change that. Hello, everybody. Let me make sure that I have sound. Uh, Let me make sure that I have shares. Let me make sure that we are alive. And I'm looking around for a monitor, and I I don't see it. But I think with the Angela, are you there? I'm here, so I guess we're live. Okay. All right. So I guess we are we are live, guys, and we are uh, back and using a, a familiar platform. But this again is a taping, and it will end up wherever whatever channel you have chosen to follow. How to find a channel? Go to DryerBuzz. Dot com, just as you heard as we got started. I love the ease of this platform, and I love that I can load things and Angela can ease on in, and we can get it started. This is uh, Leading Women Weekly. It's the Leading Women Podcast, where myself and Angela Stalker, who you heard just a second ago, come together to talk about topics and basically where women have been led this week, where we are following and who in particular is leading us. And so those are some of the topics that uh, we'll cover here. I myself am less than 24 hours from a birthday. Uh, Happy birthday. I know. I only thought about it because I looked at the screen and saw the calendar. Uh, But (laughs) let me tell you what I have been doing for the past 20 years. As we approach 2020, I'm going to step over and grab some soda. Uh, grab some lemonade, as a matter of fact, no artificial flavors, no artificial colors, made right in the kitchen with dryer buzz. But um, 20 years I have been blogging, podcasting, all these things that now have turns that are part of our, our daily habits. And uh, in 18 of those years, I had dryer buzz. And so I was looking for something to inspire me to keep it going and I was like, you know what, let me get with Angela, because uh, she is the pivot queen, and she's going to tell you a little bit about why she is the pivot queen. But uh, here we are in this initiative together, and that is Leading Women. So please welcome on the other side of the line, Angela Stalkup. Tell them a little bit about who you are. Hi, Yolanda. I'm Angela Stalkup. I'm a marketing and communications uh, specialist, and I work with all kinds of businesses, but for the last 10 years or so, I've really focused on, on women entrepreneurs and the issues related to women starting and growing businesses. But at the core, what I really am interested in is how people communicate, how we build relationships through language and interaction, because really it's through those relationships that we build everything else, right? Connections build relationships, relationships build businesses, relationships build life. And so I really think that at the core is how do we talk to ourselves, how do we talk to other people? And then in doing that, you know, basically we can change the world. And uh, the pivot part, I just want to toss in there, is we're constantly in, in, in 
periods of change. And our problem often is that things are going along and we think something's wrong when clearly when something needs to change. But that's, again, business has come up with the term, it's the pivot. We just have to pivot. It's not failure, it's change. So I think that that's also a really important thing to realize that it's easy to get stuck in a rut, but really sometimes we just need to make a pivot. So that's the pivot mm-hmm. part of communication. <laughs> and here we are, leading women. And I, I'm trying to figure out where to start because I, I look it over here. I loaded a bunch of audio, and I didn't want it to be audio clip heavy, but I think we need this audio to kind of set the premise. Um, but I, when you started and you talk about the time that you spent working with women, women entrepreneurs, that's where I wanted to go. And in the mm-hmm. time that I have spent trying to tell the stories of women, because, I mean, the website called Dryer Buzz, um, mm. you think you go there and you find amazing stories of women, and yet the most difficult challenges that both you and I have had is, one, getting women to be successful entrepreneurs and tell their stories. The hardest story yeah. that I have had and one that I've oftentimes had to absolutely abandon more than others is the story of women, getting women to come from the audience to the stage or to the mic or in front of the camera or or just give me the story. Let me run with it. Let me be your become your ambassador. Um, it's been the hardest thing, and we want to try to peel back the layers. We can't fix it today. We could because we know with the energy that women have and the brilliance that women have, we could literally heal the world, fix the world in a day. For some reason, it just doesn't get done. Um, mm-hmm. But when you talk about women entrepreneurs and when I think about the stories and the headlines, that I, I mean, when you think about 20 years of doing this, you got to imagine how, I, I mean, I can put my finger on, I could drop some names of the men that have looked at it and said, oh, that's an opportunity there. Let me get her my story, right? One of mm-hmm. them, uh, as a matter of fact, just opened a, a billion-dollar studio, okay? All right? It, <laughs> the men don't have hesitate. They don't hesitate as much. Uh, but I got a clip that's going to let you know now. I don't know if you were at the breakfast that we had where the men came in. And I, just like when I have the panels, the experts or uh, the mentors, basically we call them. I did I did a couple of them where we just had men. I brought in three three guys, one from the financial realm, one from the entertainment realm, one from the artist realm. And the men, they got up, they did their little spill, as I always do, you know, talk about who you are and so forth. And we asked them pretty much, you know, like, when you guys get in a room, you guys get to the table, do you ever wonder, like, where are the women? And they do. And they were almost, they were, like, stunned that we really feel like we're not invited uh, because especially you and I both in Atlanta, they really feel like in Atlanta women run things, women run it all, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you're trying to tell them, it's like, no, we kind of don't. We, we, It looks like we're running it all, but we're not the benefactors really to, to what we are running. You know, we think about even right. Cheryl Sandberg, at, we played at, at – um, at, um, Facebook is coming to Facebook from Google. I mean, she almost had to be reminded, like, whoa, you're a woman and you're really opening some doors. The question for the day, and if you're looking at the screen anywhere you're listening, it says, who closed the doors? That's, that's what we, we want to answer. So 
I'm going to throw it to Angela while I get some more shares out there. But when working with women entrepreneurs, do you guys discuss or do you feel like or do you find factually that doors are absolutely closed? Yeah, I would say 100%. And I think that, um, you know, Yolanda and I always will usually have a, have a pre-show chat. And uh, and sort of assess the landscape. And so a couple of things, you know, Yolanda was hitting me with this about the doors that were open being closed. And it's absolutely true and uh, that there are opportunities that seem to be there that somehow have gone away, right? And mm-hmm. even more so this idea that there may be open doors, but they oftentimes are purposely hidden, Right. So there are opportunities that are out there that women business owners could benefit from. They just don't know about them. And why don't they know about them? Because that information is held tightly in a, net, in a network, right, a network that we call the old boy network. And one of the things that, um, I, that I started advocating for very early in working with women is, like, we need to make – you know, we need to counter the old boy network with the new girl network, right? That what is, mm. what is our network, right? What is that network? Mm-hmm. And of course, the new mm-hmm. girl network has to interface with the old boy network, right? And the, you know, and the new boy network, hopefully. But to say that there's networks and systems that are in place that women just don't even know exist. And then to your mm-hmm. point, when they get in the room, there's a, there can be an intimidation factor or this sense of not feeling safe in that room for whatever reason that will, will hold Ooh. women back from, from, from taking yeah. that, from taking that step and putting, you know, putting themselves or putting their idea or putting their business out there. Mm-hmm. So yes. So mm-hmm. it looks like the doors are open. More doors have opened, but somehow there's still this sense of a closing and a restricting uh, of particularly doors related to high level, like an entrepreneurship access to venture capital, access to angel investors. It seems like the mm-hmm. doors are, are like swinging doors, right? They seem open for a minute, and then nobody's getting any money. So that, you know, a, a sliver of the, or, of or, the experience or, or around that. a percentage of the money, yeah, or a percentage of the money, because that's kind of what we wanted, we wanted to talk about, but I love that we can be flexible and really want to talk about who's funding her, Um and and remember what was the, there was there was something that was recently announced and it offended me because who was the guy that oh in the in the marijuana industry the farming mm-hmm. uh, farming mm-hmm. is coming to Georgia and I was like well well they were just talking about it and everybody was all excited and then somebody asked well how about for, how much for minorities or how much for women and they said oh we'll be happy to mentor and we'll allocate what was it. 20% or something like that. And I was like, well, why? Why does it have to be allocated? And that gets into the diversity thing. But you said, oh, boy, network, new girl network. Is there an old girl network? Okay. Because we're talking yeah. about a time when these doors were absolutely open. I, and I remember uh, I would always put, I'm not knocking on doors that are open. I'm not breaking ceilings already broken. So in, mm-hmm. there was a time that these things were pretty much wide open and strides were made by all, but some kind of way here comes the, and I don't know that it, the action is really true. 
well, I'm not going to deny the action is necessary because you brought up safety. And I think, and I didn't think about that. And all the work and research we were doing is coming up to this. I did not apply safety to any of the things that we were we were talking about. Now that you say that, I can see why. Okay, there's a wide open door. Eh, I'm peeking in. I'm dipping in. You know, am I am I really rolling up into into this door? So I'm glad you mentioned safety. But again, here we are. So okay, I got a bank of of clips because what we want to reference is in this is anti discrimination. Um, we want to talk about. The clip actually hit on um, Mother's World, classism, um, and there's a couple of other things. When we think about discrimination, we all, we start reaching for our boxes, those boxes that we check, right? And mm-hmm. I, we couldn't find anything that was dead on that would just leave us at the front door of, okay, being, being a woman, uh, what does this mean to you? We oftentimes have to go to other factors of discrimination and try to get women to, in essence, relate to that because women are, you know, what is it? It's women and minorities, right? Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. basically, what are we talking about? We're talking about mainstream. And mainstream, and as as media relate, mainstream is considered white males. When I want to cover an event, when I just simply want to go to it, a movie premiere, a music premiere, a, a baseball game, a football game, a basketball game, the question is who, how many white men are going to read it, right? Mm-hmm. How many white men are going to view it? How many white men are going to like it, follow it, click it? And, and, and if that number is not to their liking, oh, well, check one of these boxes. When I decided 20 years ago, that I had a, when I discovered, basically not decided, that I had a love for fashion, an amazing way of storytelling, an eye for the lens, and like, woo, I could shine this. I went to a music festival that was in Atlanta. It was actually called Atlantis. They had an award show. I'm a photographer. I'm getting up. Somebody's coming to the microphone. Somebody's accepting an award. And then I realized, like, wait a minute, all the photographers are not moving for everybody, Right. Because, I mean, they've been in this business a long time. They know what's going to sell. They know what the editor's going to approve. They know what's going to, you know, they can put on the on the Gettys and the Reuters and, you know, on the feeds and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. Because they've been in this. And, I, and here I am. I'm trying to tell the whole story. I'm like, well, that person's getting an award. So, obviously, they're important to somebody, right? I think their mm-hmm. story should be told. And I had to... From that, from that early on event, um, check a box. And then I discovered also that there was a certain level of discrimination. Because remember I said sometimes people would come to the mic, they would be female, they would be of other ethnicities, and the photographers didn't move. They're not taking the picture because they can't sell it. They can't publish it. Nobody's looking for that story. It's not going to manipulate anybody's emotions. So when we continue into this conversation, keep in mind, when we talk about mainstream and the clips we're going to play and the discussion we're going to have is anti-discrimination, but by and large, we know where discrimination comes from, but are we all, in some form, complicit? Well, and before you that play the clip, I just want to throw... Yeah. Right. It's good. Are we all complicit? And I want to just toss in this one analogy with the doors where we're talking about opening and closing doors. Yes, there were gates. We talk about gatekeepers. There were gates that were closed to women. 
and to minorities. And laws, we had anti-discrimination laws that forced those gates to be open. And we thought if we could just get in the gate, it, we'll be able to do it. But then we found out, guess what? There's other gates. There's other doors. You go in the door, well, guess what? This is the main door. There's another door you need to go through that it's like the VIP room that you can't get into now, right? You don't even know where the other mm-hmm. gate is, right? So I think that, to, that <laughs> the, there's numbers and numbers were out there, right? And numbers were mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. and, and would look, to, you know, these guys are saying, well, aren't you guys, don't you guys control everything? I, you know, which I've heard as well. But it's like there is, again, it's that network idea is that just because the main gate is open doesn't mean there aren't other gates and doors to go through. And I think this is really significant. And to your point about checking boxes. And so now everybody's like, oh, well, if you're a woman, that's settled, right? And it's like, no, it's not. But it appears that it is because we have these broad anti-discrimination laws for workplace employment, et cetera. So anyway, on that, I wanted to, I want to frame this in this way. Sure, gates are open, but there's still doors. And, they're, and, they're, and they're, they get closed. Okay. And, the, and they get closed. The, the, question, the question is, when we get in, let me even play the clip, and then we'll, then we'll, we'll come back yeah, to play it. The clip. And I'm, I'm looking sorry. at them. I, I'm trying to figure I wanted out. To set figure that. Out. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I totally understand. And it brought, up, it brought up a couple of questions I want to ask, but I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to see which one of these. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry to throw you off. <laughs> no, no, not to throw me off at all. It's like that, that is where I really want the conversation to go. So I'm looking at the clip. Um, when I play these clips, I grab these clips from a, a professor, a law professor, um, an author, Kenji Yoshino. And if anybody's followed me from a number of times, you know that I have I subscribe to this idea of covering and basically believe it or not hit the book hit right around the time um the obamas were politicking and ended up in the white house and basically what covering means is that you are downplaying uh, significant traits about yourself in order again to fit in the mainstream so that's what the clips are um Okay, let me just play. Let me just play. Let me see. I'm looking, and I think I'm trying to think which one was the first one. This one, as it relates to disabilities, here. Context to raise when people start talking about how covering is trivial. Because if you talk to disabled people, they all engage in strategies that um, require them to uh, suffer a huge amount of physical pain. So individuals from the disabled community talk about foregoing canes or wheelchairs or the very paraphernalia that permit them to function in order to make other people around them comfortable. So they endure acute pain in order to assure the comfort of able-bodied people like you or I. And I think that it's very, very troubling to think that we are in a society that says, on the one hand, individuals with disabilities should be treated equally to people who are able-bodied, but on the other hand, exacts through some set of social norms this idea of we're not comfortable with you walking yeah. around with a yeah. cane, and we would much yeah. rather that you suffer pain than I be made uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. That part at the end, we much rather you suffer pain than mm-hmm. I be made uncomfortable. That's, that's what I wanted to hit on. And I think it speaks to speaks to a little bit of where where you're trying where you want to go with this because I don't want anybody to take themselves out of the conversation um, when we mm-hmm. talk about this and and 
we were help me out. What am I what am I trying to say? Bring bring me back to focus because there's so many ways we can go with this. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I, I think this is significant and it goes back to this concept that, that um that's being explained here about covering, right? Is that you cover up your difference rather than again this idea of making the power whoever is in power, right, feel uncomfortable because you're like, hey, this, you know, this is who I am. This is my identity. This is my need, right? This is, this is, you know, this example of someone who's disabled is great, right? Literally going to be in physical pain, right? But there's all, mm-hmm. there's other kinds of pain that you, that you can be in because it's sort of like, well, if you don't know, if you're not noticing that I'm different, if you're not mm-hmm. noticing that I'm not what everybody else looks like here or is like, maybe you won't discriminate against me, right? It's this idea that if I can just keep my head down, maybe nobody will notice because as soon as they notice me, they're going to treat me differently. And I think that is this notion of the, of the door, right? Is that, mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure, come on in. Here's the door. We open that door for you. And you're like, well, could you point the door to me? I don't have a key, right? Or I don't have the password to get in. Well, you know, that's not my problem. What do you mean you don't have a password, right? And it's like, well, you, because you tell, you, all you get together in your network and you share the password that's changing all the time and you won't let me in the network to get the password. Well, yeah, okay, no, but right. the door is open. You can't say the door is not open, right? So then you got to fake like you know the password, right? So it's, I think that mm-hmm. there is, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I think that, that what, you're, what you're talking about is that, you know, like who is closing the door, right? There's gatekeepers, mm-hmm. there's power structures that may not even necessarily knowingly be doing it, right? It's just the idea that this is how things work, this is how it goes, and we don't want to be bothered. We don't want to be bothered to do it differently. And then there's the piece of are we doing it ourselves by hiding our cane, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. By pretending that we don't have obligations beyond our, you know, beyond our job, or that we don't have concerns, right, over our, you know, ability to be heard or safety or whatever it is, because we're hope we we just again we cover up our concern rather than, so we're actually closing the door to ourselves rather than advocating. So I, I, is that where you're thinking, is that where you're headed? Because <laughs> like, my thing there. is, when you, when you, when you brought it back to the gate, you know, okay, if you look at the distance between the gate and the, and the door, is it still, is it accessibility is what I, is what I want to think about mm-hmm. because all of us have a different set of accessibilities. You've got a person who, who doesn't want to use, you know, their paraphernalia or their, their apparatuses that, that's really going to alleviate their pain because they want, don't want to make somebody else comfortable. Have we gotten to, or is there a side of anti-discrimination that allows discrimination to exist because, one, we don't speak about these things in enough numbers, and what Kenji goes on to talk about is that, well, if, if I think we were, we were at an event the other day, and we looked around and was like, okay, well, if, if somebody, what if somebody was in a wheelchair? Because we were having difficulty ourselves, and we thought about that person. So that in the same in the same light is it's open the door is wide open the gate's open but still i have other needs i have special needs that must be addressed one of those that they talked about was had to do with mothers let me go to let me go to this one success covering how about this one you must uh-huh. dress white yeah. you must uh 
not be too militant about your black activism or make other people feel guilty uh, about the fact that you've been subjected to racism. So this family stands for Martin Luther King, not for Malcolm X, yeah, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's so heartbreaking about the story is that he doesn't actually make partner. And yeah, one of the messages yeah, of the story yeah. is that oftentimes when you suppress your cultural affinities, that you are actually disabled as well as enabled. Mm -hmm. So you're enabled in some ways, like that you're more palatable to white yeah. mainstream, yeah. but you yeah. cut yourself off, for example, from black communities of support, you cut yourself off from your cultural heritage, you yeah. had a more strained relationship with the family of origin yeah. because of yeah. this. Yeah. 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 So it exacts immense costs. And this really is not a thing of the past and that this book just came out a few years ago. Thing. That's what I'm talking about now. If, if we take that and relate to women, that was a story of where a young man grew up, um, got the best education, um, ended up at a, an amazing law firm. And he was told, you know, he has a talk. You must do all of these different things. And he did those things, which ostracized him from his community. And was the best part of the covering and, and so forth. But yet he still did not reach the level of success. He didn't make partner. Uh, there were other things because there were other accessibilities to him. One, again, down, having to downplay so much of his own natural traits, um, he ended up, again, subjecting himself to something. So that's what we want to talk about as, as women because when we, get, when we get to the table, we get to the gate, we get through the gate, and we get through the door, and we get to the table, and you're still looking around. Look at the picture. How many people saw the picture of Nancy Pelosi? in the room and with Donald Trump, where she was shaking the finger at Donald Trump. You know, it's, it's going to be one of those, you know, I'm here, I'm a woman, hear me roar, here's a power, you know, with the, with the elbow, the elbow up. What's it, Nancy the Riveter, I think it is. Um, mm -hmm. Is that her name, Nancy? <laughs> the riveting woman. Um, you know, Rosie the, the Riveter. Rosie the Riveter. Rosie yeah. the Riveter. Uh, one, of those, one of those moments. But as the picture went around the internet, everybody else who, who, who and this is what this is the key part right here, Angela. Everybody mm -hmm. else who expects to see themselves in the room. There were those of us to go, oh, there's a woman in there with all these men. Okay, cool. But mm -hmm. then there's like, wait, there, there's not a brown woman in there. There's not there's not other women in there. There's not even these this type or that type or that. You know, again, looking for somebody. Where's the person with disabilities? If you look at it on Twitter as the picture went around and watch mm -hmm. the other people question, those who question it made you think because some of us were quite comfortable with it. And that, that some of us were like, whoa, the safety, you know, what were the triggers? But there are those, when we talked, we played in the beginning, this is not our mother's world. And while the door is open, Nancy Pelosi is Speaker of the House. If there's a successful impeachment, she could end up being president probably for a matter of days. I don't, I don't know what the strategy is. Um, but, you know, it's like for some, the photo was okay. For some, the, the, for some, look, some of us looked at it and they go, oh, the strength of a woman. She's going to check all these men. Because we put, that, mm -hmm. we put that on one woman to do that, right? We put mm -hmm. it on one woman to go to go uh, to on the hill every day and check all of these men. Nobody said, "Oh, she needs some allies. She needs some backup." Mm -hmm. Where where are the other women? What meeting was this? Somebody else posted. Whoa, these are the people that are making all of our all of the decisions about our lives. And there's only one so, woman there yeah. to challenge it. And go ahead. Yeah, no. So and I was no, thinking about this about the old girl network. 
You're talking about the old girl old network. Old girl network. Yeah. And so we so we look at let's look at I think Nancy Pelosi's an interesting example, and I'm not I, just of a generation, right? And I I'm not speaking to I don't know what she's doing to support other women, right? But in mm-hmm. that sort of second wave feminism, uh, you know, we're talking about in like the 1970s and and 80s as women are moving into the workforce and, you know, we're thinking about their, their, their power suits, the female version of them, looking, dressing like a man, acting like a man, right? And particularly this would be white women, but this is, you know, basically all women trying to up-level in the workforce. There was often this notion that once a woman got in place, she didn't help other women, right? Because basically there yeah. was this perception that there's only room for one, right? And this has been true with other minority groups as well, right? There's only room mm-hmm, for one. Mm-hmm. And so if I got it, I can't, not only do I have to defend it, I can't mentor any other, anybody else that could potentially be competition, right? So when you talk about an old girl network, there was such a thing. That old girl network didn't really help other girls, right? We've moved beyond that now. We've moved, I think, into where there's a lot more openness and mentoring and so forth. But we still have those restrictions Right. And so because honestly, I said there was so much with that picture and people just depending again, it's such a good point that depending on your point of view, depending on your personal experience, you could look at that picture and see many different things. You could see a success, but you could see a failure. Like, could she have brought another woman? Right. Could there have been two women in the room? She could have brought a woman. Right. But and then and then again, the the, you know, all old people, all white people, you know, no, say nobody of any other diversity, right? Um, mm-hmm. To use the term, but yeah. So I, I think that, that to say, yes, this is you know this is a we're like yeah, it's a great stride, but there's still these sort of you know, again back to the quote about having to look a certain way and act a certain way and be a certain way, and I mm-hmm. just, it remind me of a story I just heard a couple of days ago, um, you know within within 48 hours. Of a of um, uh, who did the report? I'm not even sure where the reporting comes from, but um, I'm looking at a report from CBS News that Ernst and Young, which is one of the top consulting firms, like if you're in the consulting industry, Ernst and Young, this is where you go and you get to be very wealthy, right? You move up a you move up a rank and they're very influential. They did a seminar for their female employees last year, June 2018, and this is what they told the women. And this was part of their – they had had sexual harassment lawsuit, right? So this is their – this is what they tell women in 2018. You need a good haircut. You need manicured nails. You need a healthy and fit appearance. You need to not flaunt your body. So don't flaunt your body around these men so that they harass you, right? This is a – it's like, what? 20, this what? is 2018. This is – and, the, and Ernst and & Young is the company that consults with other giant corporations, right? So, if you, again, this idea of – you see, I'm like, literally, when I, every time I think about it, I just, get, I just become speechless because this – didn't we settle this? Hasn't this been settled? But, but no, it's like, okay, you know, these are women that are probably still told they have to wear pantyhose to work, right? If you're a woman, you've got to be in, you know, in a skirt and hose, Right. Or slacks and heels, right? And it's it's to say that we're still we're still being forced into boxes around this. And again, you you're going to do all this to your to the point mm-hmm. of the quote, right? So you look at women who have done all this, 
They've, think about it. They've done it. And yet they still aren't running Ernst & Young, right? They're still not running corporations. If we've got over right. 50% of women in the, in the workforce of a generation to be of the correct age, to be top CEOs, right? I mean, look, I graduated from high school in the mid-'80s. I had no concerns at the time over being anything I wanted to be. If I thought if I wanted to be president, I did not feel restricted as a woman in any way. I had not really been out in the world, but I didn't feel restricted. I felt like it was at least the gate was open, right? So, you know, we're talking about women in their 50s and above who should be in these positions and they're not. And guess what? They all did. They all followed the rules, right? A good haircut, manicured nails, spending, you know, spending thousands of mm-hmm. dollars a year on the extras to make sure that they look professional, right? And I'm air quoting professional. And yet they're still not there, right? Instead of saying, guess what? I'm just not going, I'm just not going to spend all this money to have a certain look that supposedly is attractive enough to be appealing, but is not too attractive to be enticing, right? And then we could go into the issues of black women um, who can't even right this minute necessarily grow the hair out of their head, comb it, and go to work, right, without, mm-hmm. worrying, about being, mm-hmm. without worrying about being fired. I mean, because we, so end, up we, the, end, up, we end up with the grooming of that, yeah. you know, and you're trying, you're, you, we're talking about, and, and here's, here's the thing, trying to define the difference between mentoring and, and grooming, because you're passing along, oh, well, I did this and I did that, but you aren't able to show the receipt of where, where it truly got you. So you've got you've got another segment of population looking at it. Well, you know they jump through the hoops. They they lit the hoop on fire and jump through, and still nothing happened to them as, as that was that really was truly beneficial. So it comes down. It, we keep coming back to that. Uh, did it? Did it really work? So let me. Oh, speaking of of mainstream, I wanted to say this too. You talked about the woman checking all the boxes. She's done all of that. How many of us are checking off our boxes and then looking over to make sure that the woman next to us, you you got your boxes checked. You know, are you okay? Did you that's the thing that allows people we gotta we we can't mm-hmm. try to address discrimination unless we figure out how is it how is it that it it continues to happen. Who's really letting it get by? And and I think that is where it gets complicated, confusing, conflicted, and the hypocrisy slips in because we we don't want to talk about. Hey, listen, guys, we're complicit in this thing too because it it you I don't know if you post, oh Shay posted something earlier and I meant to catch her and have her come on and talk about her 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 Tuesday motivation was. Either out of necessity or desperation. Desperation has a lot to do with this. Uh, women having to make so many of these decisions simply because they are desperate. They've got the gate is open, the door is open, regardless of what's on the other side. They've got to keep going through that gate. Got to keep because some of us be, some of us are like, no, nah, we're not going through that gate. We're not going. We don't want to be in that yard. We don't want to be. Right. We don't want to go through that door. But there is always those that are at a point of desperation. I remember having to take on 
uh, uh, and I don't even want to say client because I don't even like to say client, but take on a campaign, I'll put it this way, simply because times were desperate. And it was one mm-hmm. of those campaigns. It came, no value came out of him. There was very little respect to to the work that I did or to myself as a person and, and or the value. You know, at the end of the campaign, the people involved couldn't even respect the value of it because it was mm-hmm. it was a desperate thing. Even though I still gave it, you know, everything that I bring to everything, there still was a level of desperation there. And otherwise, I would have said, no, this this is not a match. This is not, you know, something that, that I would do. So I think while the doors, sometimes we let those doors close because, you know, the experience just wasn't what it was, but we, we've got to figure out, and this is where the conversation gets shut down too often, whether it is between gay on gay, black on black, and all those other things, we've got to talk about our responsibility, and particularly as women, what we're asking here as it relates to covering, downplaying the true one great significant trait about us is the fact that we are women uh, trying to downplay that. We talked about earlier, make sure you dress this, make sure you wear the suits, women trying to wear the ties. All those different things we've done over the years through the generations, trying to fit in, but fit into what? It's trying to fit in and sort of conform, trying to make things change to us. Um, who are we dealing with when we talk about mainstream? Well, here's what mainstream had to say as it relates to covering, and I think this is, let me just double check. No, it was it this one? Did I play that one? I can't tell which one I played. I think it was class. Let's see. I couldn't agree more, and this is actually one of the major themes of the book, is that one of the things that we need to do with this generation of civil rights is even more than before take the project of civil rights outside of the law. So as you know, as a law professor, one of the major gaps in our anti-discrimination law has to do with class, right? So this country has just not dealt with class as an anti-discrimination category in any robust way. So either we have to get class included among the constitutional and the statutory protections we have against state and employer-based discrimination, don't hold your breath, right? Or we have to understand that many of the problems that we're dealing with are not going to be redressable through law. So whenever I give this talk, I've come to expect this kind of question, which I think of as like the straight white guy question, where somebody raises their hand and says, I understand why you should be protected for things you can't help, like your skin color, or your chromosomes, or you know your sexual orientation, if that's innate, but why shouldn't you have to cover? Because I have to cover all the time. I have to cover my depression, or I have to cover the fact that I was a survivor mm. of abuse, or I have to cover my illiteracy, or even a positive attribute, like the fact that I'm an artist. One thing that comes up again and again, Larry, is that I have to cover the fact that I'm working class. And because this person continues, I don't fall into the canon of protected classifications, I'm simply viewed as like an impediment to the yep. civil rights of other yep. people rather than yep. somebody who might have a civil yep. rights claim of yep. my own. Yep. Yep. And, and so what we're talking about here is civil rights. Even when you hear the word civil rights, one, because of the history, history and the way history is told uh, and relayed and taught in America, it automatically goes, you think, civil rights, you think black people, because we had a very visible civil rights campaign. But if you go and you ever was to look at the date, okay, the time the time frame on this, one of the reasons we have anti-discrimination laws is simply because civil rights were being challenged for everybody who was not a white male. 
which is, it, I, I can't even, like, recite it. What was it? You cannot discriminate by age, sex, religion, or sexual orientation, gender, all of those things. One of the reasons we have anti-discrimination is by virtue of what they what they were talking about just there. But when we when you hear classism, because we don't address class, because that's the one. Remember, I said it's hard for us to talk about. Like we were just if we were to take everything out and just talk about this conversation as it relates to women, we'd have to go to classism. We'd have to go to class. Mm-hmm. We'll still take ourselves out of the conversation. Where, well, that's a woman problem, but it's a woman of a particular class problem. Mm-hmm. When we think about mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi, we're thinking about politicians, you know. And, and even though we elect them and they go to Washington to fight for us, they simply almost immediately, or if not already, they represent a different class. You know, those are the, it's interesting that those, when we think about people who are in Congress, they're also part of the wealthy, right? They, they've got um, a different, because you, I mean, you've got, if you think about the, the salaries of politicians and, and the time that they have to spend lawmaking, making laws, and, and at the same time reimbursing all of their expenses on most of the tax dollars, but living, they are, they're pretty much wealthy. They, they live very well. Am I, am I correct? For the most part. Yes. Yeah. Uh, unless they're, unless they're mm-hmm. freshmen in Congress, right? They live they live right. pretty well because you think about it. They they have two two and three uh, uh, homes. They have a home in their their home state. They have a, a place where they live uh, in Washington, and they they enjoy more health care and other liberties, you know, than the average citizen. Even though many of them start out as the average citizen, but then you get in that flow of information, and you just basically learn how to make money. So even if we're talking about women and trying to fix some of these issues with women, it ends up coming back. Class, is it me or just class, always seem to come through. And yes, and so I was just thinking about a study I just saw, and and it was about um, research at students admitted to Harvard, and it was something like over 40%, I want to say 43% of students of white students admitted to Harvard were either a legacy, an athlete, or related mm-hmm. to donors or staff, right? So if we pull up mm-hmm. the athlete, right, legacy means your parents, grandparents went to, the, to this institution, which probably puts you in a higher class, right? And then related to donors, that would probably put you in a higher class. And even staff, if you're related to a professor or so forth, that could be a class issue. So the issue being is that we say that, oh, well, you getting admitted to Harvard is about merit, but it's really not when, you know, a, you know, a good, I saw another one that said basically a solid third, right, solid 30% of students are there and they got in because they had a, they had a parent who got in. So that's, that's class, right? That's issues of class. So, again, back to the door. The door may be open. But you got to, you know, you get an extra key if you're of a certain class, right? So you get a whole set of keys mm-hmm. instead of having to fight out for a key. So these issues of class really are significant and are particularly significant in, in entrepreneurship. And for young entrepreneurs, for women entrepreneurs in general, for young entrepreneurs, because the women often who have access to the money that's necessary to start a business either have their own money that they've earned through their career, they have a supportive spouse, right, who, can, who earns enough money 
to pay the bills and support the family during the time that the, the woman is building a business to a point where there's revenue. Or they're young and their parents are able to uh, to give them money. So one of the one of these things that always makes me really furious is when I read these stories, and this is male and female, about young people. And God bless them that they want to do businesses. But there was an example I read, and it's like, oh, I'm going to – I'm living in Williamsburg and, you know, in Brooklyn, and I have a business selling mustache combs, and I live in this fabulous apartment, and I'm selling mustache combs. Your parent, that person's parents is pay, are paying for their, for their home, are paying for their business, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe they're going to make money with mustache combs, but they probably aren't, right? So sometimes we, as, you know, as women entrepreneurs, and we're looking at the success stories of other women the issue of class is stripped out, right? Nobody talks about the fact that they had an inheritance or that they had, uh, you know, um, had earned money through a corporate career or that they had a spouse or that they had parents that gave them money. And I have no problem with that. God bless you if you have access to that. I have people in my life who are able to support me at critical times with investments in my business that kept it going, right? So I'm not going to, no shame on that, but just say it, right? So, this, so understanding that there's a that again that that there's gates that you can't get through that there's gates that people are like oh it's easy to come through this gate oh yeah it's easy to go through this door right but you're not but the people are not recognizing I'm going to say this as women are not recognizing the advantage that they might have over someone else even though they're thinking I'm disadvantaged because I'm a woman and of course this is all right. yeah, issues of race in there as well but this is often white women but still is to say that that is a barrier that nobody wants to talk about. And that also, because of your class, you know other successful people who can connect you to the resources, and we're back into networks, because everything's about a network, right? And you're back mm-hmm. into networks that the person who does not, you know, how does the, how, how does the, high school kid get the successful internship to get into, you know, or or the college student to get into Ernst and Young or to work at NBC, right? Is their parents know somebody who works there, right? And how, or, or, you know, my neighbor is, works here or my, you know, my former workmate, my former boss now runs this company is going to give me contract work until I get my business going. Again, this is fine, but, we don't acknowledge that that's an advantage <laughs> and that that's a door that right. might still be closed. Well, here, here's open the question, but not to everyone. Ask, we asked, uh, we got about 10 minutes, 10 minutes left in an hour, because we asked who, who closed the doors. Who closed the doors? And remember I was having a discussion about even the hair industry. Um, we were talking about some of the women who founded this, that, and the other, and yet we have, here we are today. 19, I mean, 2019, heading into 2020, and history having to repeat itself. Um, is it that people literally closed the doors or they did not appreciate who opened the doors, how the door was left open, or that, like, whoa, that door is open. Somebody must have did that. I think we're at a point, especially particularly with women, where it's like we are finding we're, even though with, with discrimination and, and safety and all, like we just literally went through a whole safety thing, right? Me Too movement, mm-hmm. right? Right. I think more so we are at a point where people don't appreciate, they're just walking through the door, like not even giving any thought to 
that how mm-hmm. that door was open until it begins to close, until it closes on them, until it slams in their face, and then they want to go and gather everybody up. Like, we've got to open this door. We say, well, wait, the door was just open. Who went through it last and let it right. close? Who went last? Because mm-hmm. we don't know. We don't know the value of it being open. We don't know who. We literally don't know who opened. In fact, the, the show The Watchmen. Um, was mm-hmm. on oh, some of the I, actors from I, the White House. We talk about that. About, <laughs> talk about, they mm-hmm. were talking about Tulsa, and and we we mm-hmm. we we're not gonna get all this. We got eight eight minutes because we're on this platform. It's gonna cut off. But then people were tweeting like, "Wait, what is this?" Because again, there you've been covering for so long, downplaying uh-huh. these traits of your descendancy. We're at, we on one part. There's a lot of people who are really attached to their descendancy. Uh, and I don't know if that's even a word, but but how they are <laughs> the rule, right? Uh, and so their their mm-hmm. origin, family of origin, their li- right? yes, their lineage, their, their ancestry, yeah, their lineage, right? Um, and it's not that it's. I think they people just don't know that those are the kind of things that need to be maintained because again, it caused so much pain. It made people uncomfortable. I'd rather you not bring that with you as you come through the door. Because it makes me and others, and even it makes ourselves uncomfortable to the point that mm-hmm. we have gotten to a place where we're looking at open doors closing, and we're not respectful of how the door was even open in the first place. Nancy Pelosi is that being, never mind the fact she lost that position of being Speaker of the House, right? She gained it right. back. Before a generation that has always been able to see women in leadership positions, always been able to see women in power, they and you're not saying and constantly reminding them this is how this happened. We we played at the beginning. Cheryl Sandberg said it's not our mother thing. I mean, you look at us; both of us have, have lost our moms. We've got to make sure that things about them still play out in what we're doing today. That we mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that we are doing. It's not just happenstance. There's everybody is celebrating how they just happened upon this and happened. But I'm still mad at a Facebook friend who ended up getting these amazing likes on on a photo, and somebody asked her, "Man, how'd you get all those likes?" And she goes, "Well, people just liked it." No, that's not yeah. even a thing. <laughs> okay, right. you got you got. <laughs> not even a thing. Look how many shares. It made me so mad because we do that because we want to kind of downplay it, right? Yes. And, I, and I said, no, you've got over 100 shares on this. All of your friends and all of your family shared it because they were so proud of you. That's how that door opened to those likes and for your photo to go viral. And I hope that it led to other, you know opportunities of people seeing the value of it because basically it was a photo of her and her, her, her kids, right? It was an amazing um, photo shoot that they did. And, but, her, but her answer being people just liked it. No, because we don't know where to place the value. Go ahead. And that goes back to my core philosophy. (laughs) Connections build relationships. Relationships Mm -hmm. build everything else. How did that happen? She had good relationships, good connections and relationships who were willing to support her and were proud of her work, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so how did she do it? Like you say, she's going to downplay that, right? She was downplaying whatever she did, but also downplaying the importance of her own network that she's contributed to, right? And so, we've, exactly. so, again, this idea is that you've got to have 
you've got to be building these this net this is why I do what I do, right? This is why I this is my raison d'etre, right? Is that it gets me up in the morning when I don't want to do anything is to say mm-hmm. is that these connections that people are able to build and facilitate relationships. And even if it's not my relationships, if I can facilitate other relationships, things will happen for people, right? And things can change. And so we can't down like we can't downplay that because like you say, nothing just happens. I mean, maybe occasionally, but for the most part, stuff that just happens didn't just happen. And there was a network that caused it to happen. There you go. A network caused it to happen. But let's answer the question one more time. Who closed the doors? If a network, if it was a network that, that kept the doors open, it are, is the network weakening? Is the network weakening? Are we complicit mm-hmm. on this? And I think these are questions that we have to take into the next one. I promise you guys, we're all going to come on and talk about um, women funding women and, and so forth. But there's so much that in between those conversations, what we're trying to do first is keep us in the keep us in the conversation because I think we are running around and looking around too much trying to take ourselves out of the conversation saying, oh, that's a problem for, for those, that's a problem for them, that's a problem for they, that's a problem for us, you know, and, and it just really comes comes back to that. Leading Women Weekly, uh, I'm Yolanda, she is Angela Stalton, and I always try to ask Angela what you've got going on, what you got coming up? So I'm going to be participating in an online summit in the first week of November, uh, it's called Wise Her. It's a new it's a new platform. My very good friend Catherine Rose has been out beating the streets, raising money in an old fashioned bootstrapping way to launch a tech platform that was is designed to to provide uh, uh, on demand expert advice for women business owners. I'm going to be doing a presentation with them, and sadly, I do not have the exact date. But if you go to Wise Her, W I S. H E R H E H E R H E R wise. I thought that was, that was a little, little Medea coming in there, a little Cardi B. I'm a Cardi B. So, uh, yes, so wiseher.com. You can look for that and, um, and you know, follow. You know, I'm, every, I'm everywhere as Angela Stalk up. And so, uh, it, look, look across my. Start looking on my platforms, uh, and you'll and I'll be promoting that. So you'll be hearing more about that. But we're gonna be talking about uh, challenges women entrepreneurs face, uh, and so um, I'm excited. Awesome, awesome, and guys, we will be back here on uh, on Tuesdays. We take live Tuesdays at 2 p.m. We'll be inviting some of you on for that. And I ask um, today for people to tag. We've got a couple of got tons of tons of requests that we're trying to weed through. Um, once we figure out again, I think I think we enjoy this platform that we're on now. It's definitely easy. It makes the production a whole lot a whole lot um, better than we were before. So I'm gonna get ready. I'm gonna rest up a bit. I just had an amazing amazing lunch. Uh, the only thing I have going on, not the only thing, but I'm really excited because. I am. I've been working on the Ask Dryer Buzz store. The, most of you know that I have some publications out there under Twenty Seven Answers um, that we spent last three years really uh, curating this library. And so I'm building the bookstore back. You can check it out at AskDryerBuzz.com. When people ask me different things of how to do this, how to rock social media, how to rock hashtag, how to 
Rocket Podcast, which I'm actually going to be loading. That's why I'm spending the time today loading that particular course. Um, and with 90 seconds to go, <laughs> I love those little, little notifications. I don't know if you heard it. I'm the only one that heard it. But um, we'll be back next week. Um, follow. And, Angela, I tweet your hashtag, Ask Angela. I put the PSAS at the end of it. So you can find Angela under the hashtag Ask Angela P S A S and I think it muted her, but she'll be back. Um, and then you can also find me at Ask Dryer Buzz. All right, I'm gonna schedule sixty seconds. I'm gonna schedule the next show. Go over and set your reminders. And for those of you that didn't catch us live, you can catch us uh, on all your favorite podcast platforms. Everybody have a great week, leading women. Go now to DryerBuzz.com and follow at DryerBuzz on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's all about the buzz.